Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thursday afternoon, getting a little closer to the weekend. We now have only one undefeated college basketball team in the country as Alabama went down at home to Auburn last night. You also had Kentucky lose for the first time in SEC play. An incredible shot at the buzzer. Uh, by Jermaine Kuznard for South Carolina to give the Gamecocks a win over the Kentucky Wildcats in Columbia. Pearl River Resort pick of the day was a good one yesterday as Arkansas defeated Vanderbilt by 20 last night. They covered the point spread in that game. As we told you they would, that's that's two in a row. we got to ring the bell while we, uh, we can. Uh, good to be with you. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. If you want to be a part of the conversation, that is the best way to do it. And we would remind you that you can experience healthcare on call with the Ceasefire Health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Plus, for a limited time, if you're a Ceasefire customer, the visit is only $29. Learn more online at cspirehealth.com. Not a slow news time of the year. Borky, traditionally, you get past the uh, national championship game. All you've really got to talk about is, what, the uh, the NFL playoffs that are going on and some college basketball stuff. NBA is just kind of mired in the middle of its regular season right now. Not a ton of college football news. That's just not the case right now, though. Yeah, it's what an incredible time of year. Usually after college football ends, you kind of have that moment where it's like, well, now what? And there's a few weeks of lull. I mean, I guess we have signing day, but signing day has been ruined. And the NFL playoffs are great, but nothing really picks up again until March Madness. But we've got, I'm so fascinated by this Astros cheating scandal because the new layers, people are going back and remembering things about weird quirks uh, that the Astros have had over the last couple of years. New allegations or accusations have surfaced. People are talking about the use of buzzers that they would hide underneath their jerseys. And after they got um, caught or the, the scheme ended with hitting the trash can, they got more advanced and were using some kind of buzzer under their jersey that would let them know when a breaking pitch was coming. And so now videos come out one of uh, Jose Altuve telling his teammates after he hits a, a game-winning home run, do not rip my jersey off. Another video of Altuve after they win the, the championship shirts that they give all the players, he runs into the locker room to take his jersey off and put the shirt, or not the locker, into the dugout to, yeah. to hide. Maybe he was just modest. 
Yeah, <laughs> sure. That guy, definitely modest. It, it, to put on his, his champion's shirt, went to the dugout. The only player on the field to do that, the only player that has probably ever done that. And so all these videos and stuff are surfacing, and now it's like, should Major League Baseball reopen their investigation? Because I don't know if I believe all of these videos, but at the same time, they're pretty damning. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there, no question. And at this point, you've had three Major League Baseball managers who have lost their jobs as a result of the uh, the cheating scandal in in professional baseball. Uh, the Astros owner fired their manager after a one-year suspension was handed down, and also the GM, Alex Cora, is out as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. And the news came out today that Carlos Beltran who was named manager of the Mets in the offseason, is now out as well. Those last two firings uh, have been referred to as mutually agreed, agreed upon partings, uh, but you know how those work. They, they cut the manager loose, so it was a firing in both scenarios. And all of this is, uh, you know, really, ultimately, this is a result of a former Astros pitcher who now calls the Bay Area home in Mike Fierce. And it's all been blown just completely into the stratosphere. You know that Major League Baseball would like for this to just go away and for spring training to begin, but it doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. We'll talk more about this as we go through the show this afternoon. Uh, we also will get into Odell Beckham Jr., now it's not just money changing hands on the sideline, which was actually real money. Uh, it is an arrest warrant that is out for OBJ for slapping a New Orleans police officer on the rear end in the locker room. And it wasn't like this old just friendly slapped him on the booty as he walked by. Hey, man, good to see you. Whack. It was uh, there's a little more to it than that. And you've got it on video. And so there is a warrant out for the arrest of Odell Beckham Jr. in New Orleans. This is a mess. Also, not necessarily a mess, but a lot of work to do for LSU as they embark for the White House. Ed Ogeron has got to rebuild his coaching staff. Arguably, the two most important members of his coaching staff are apparently headed elsewhere. Joe Brady uh, going to the NFL. We know that to be a fact. He's headed to Carolina and it appears as if, though we don't have an official announcement from Baylor yet, that Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, the highest-paid defensive coordinator in America at $2.5 million per year, looks like he's about to be the head coach at Baylor. So some work to do for Ed Ogeron and a bunch of other stuff. Like what it is like to be in a quarterback meeting where Mike Leach is in charge. And, hey, Dad, we'll get into this a little bit later this afternoon. Suffice it to say, efficiency is not uh, a term that you would use to describe Mike Leach's meetings with his quarterbacks. Oh, was it my turn to talk? Nobody buzzed me. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I called your name. <laughs> I was waiting on the signal. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't well get it. Well done. Yeah, well done, somewhere. my friend. If I had banged on the trash yes, can, would that have helped you? No. You need, you need to have a trash can in there and give it give it a whack every now and then. Uh, yeah, hit, I've read this article. I just <laughs> whacked a trash can. Uh, I read this article. <laughs> I read the article in question that we're going to talk about a little later, and it is it's if you if you ever question your subscription to the Athletic, that article alone is worth one month's <laughs> worth of uh, of payment there for sure. So some some tremendous quotes 
uh, from those guys. And yeah, his 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 meetings aren't exactly. I don't know that Mike Leach and Nick Saban could ever be on the same coaching staff after. No, no, they could not. (laughs) Something's got to give. I I want a reality show with those two guys. Yeah, and you know the the whole if you're five minutes late or, or if you're on time, you're five minutes late. That's kind of the adage that you have with a lot of especially old school coaches. Eh, that may be the case for players. Like if Mike Leach says be on time and you're late and he gets there, then you're probably really late. But it doesn't appear that he operates on the same schedule. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, he, he calls Key West home or I guess now his second home. And it's like he kind of perpetually lives on beach time or maybe pirate time. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he when they talk about marching to the beat of your own drummer, well, I mean, his drummer must be the late, great Neil Peart because he is he is doing things his own way from top to bottom. But it works. That's This is what teams and, and fans have to understand. You know, it's not going to be I'm in the office at 4 a.m. and I'm not leaving until 10 o'clock and I'm all day, all go football with Mike. It's just not. But at the end, the, the, throughout his career, the, the ends have justified the means – and he's won more games than he's lost. John Gassaway from ESPN.com. He is a numbers guru, will join us. We will talk with him a little bit later this afternoon on the Farm Bureau phone line. I'm going to be interested to hear from John what we do with South Carolina's basketball resume at this point because they've got three really good wins, but they're 9-7 and seven on the year, and they've got three pretty bad losses, two really bad losses, and then one that's an, an okay loss. But when we start to kind of analyze them, as we will, as we get closer to March, what do you do with the team? It's got some really quality wins, but also some inexplicable losses. We'll get into that, but also the topsy-turviness of this college basketball season. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on Mississippi State and whether they can turn things around and get stuff moving in the right direction, and a whole lot more that's coming up later this afternoon. Hey, Rippy, what's up? I wish you would not do that anymore. I, I just felt like I needed to bang the trash can to uh, make sure you knew it was your turn to hit a, uh, a changeup. I'm good without the signal, thank you. You don't? Would a buzzer be better? Maybe so. We'll try that one out. What's shaking? Not much. Not a whole lot. Do you think there's more to this baseball cheating scandal? What do you mean more? Well, I mean, is more coming That's in what? terms of information or punishment or reaction from MLB? Information, yes. Punishment, no clue. Rest have no clue. Hey, good, strong opinions. Thanks for coming uh, ready to roll today. Give me a definitive yes or no. Coming yes or no, I'll hold you to it. Write it down. Uh, a pin? Wait. Do what? Do you, I think, you asked me if I think more are coming. I don't know. I, I would think more information is going to come out with the buzzer thing, but aside from that, I don't really know yet. Okay. Well, we will uh, We'll see. We'll also get your thoughts and your reaction as we move throughout the show this afternoon. The recruiting dead period is over. Ole Miss did not have a large early signing class. Mississippi State did. What does that mean for these two teams who both now have new head coaches as we roll into the final push for the first Wednesday in the month of February? We'll get into that next with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Before you put out the first Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter poll question of the day, should Major League Baseball reopen their investigation into the Astros after new accusations surfaced? Yes or no? You can vote on that if you want to at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Perhaps the answer, though, to that question comes from Joel Sherman, who is a baseball columnist at the New York Post. 
He tweeted this just moments ago from MLB with so much coming out publicly about the Altuve home run to end the ALCS and other incidents. Quote, this from Major League Baseball, MLB explored wearable devices during the investigation but found no evidence to substantiate it. Close quote. That investigation, according to MLB, includes the 2019 season. Maybe they didn't do a great job investigating it. Maybe there is new information. That's why the poll question is relevant. Should MLB reopen their investigation into the Astros after new accusations surfaced? So uh, we'll talk more about that as we move through the show. And if you have any thoughts on it, feel free to text them to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Let's talk uh, National Signing Day, which is now, what, three weeks from yesterday? Am I looking at the calendar correctly? One, two, yeah, three weeks from yesterday, uh, National Signing Day, the second go-around. The early signing period was back in early December. Rippy, Ole Miss has got some work to do uh, between... Well, I guess in the next three weeks, in trying to finish out the class after the coaching change with uh, with Lane Kiffin, they did not sign a bunch of guys in December. What do you think their priorities are over the next three weeks in terms of finishing out this class? Um, probably. I mean, it was a little defensive heavy on the front end, so probably shore up some things on the offensive line. But you know, aside from that. I'm not really sure. Like, I don't necessarily know how much of a change in personnel they want to go, how differently they want to run things. They've got plenty of quarterbacks. Will they be in the market for another one? Already had one during the early period. But, you know, aside from that, I imagine it's kind of best available in filling out the class. I imagine they'll want to do something at tight end. Um, Would defensive line and secondary be points of emphasis? I mean, there's some grad transfers out there in, in both spots, especially a former Florida Atlantic uh, defensive back who led the CUSA in interceptions just announced that he was entering the transfer portal. So, I mean, they could explore that too. But aren't those the two positions of most immediate need on that team uh, is defensive line and then even though they were young this past year's in the secondary as well because they just I- underperformed? I would think, yeah, defensive line just because of what they lost. But, again, you have some young guys back there in the secondary, so I guess sure to some degree. Yeah. What about on the offensive side? Feels like you mentioned pretty good shape at quarterback, although that could look different at the end of spring practice than it does right now based on kind of how that competition goes. Um, pretty good shape in running back or at the running back spot with a couple of freshman standouts from a year ago, although that's a position that – I'm not sure you can ever have too much depth. What about the offensive line and continuing to build that part of the team? Because that was an issue this year at times for Ole Miss. Yeah, it got better as the year went along. Sure, it was better at the end of the year, but just like any other recruiting class of any other team in the country, I think you'd want to fill it out with offensive linemen because the amount of ready-to-play guys uh, you can sign in a class pretty much don't exist, so it's a process. But, yeah, sure. Hey, Dad, what about on the uh, the Mississippi State side of things when you look at what Joe Moorhead and his staff brought in? There was not going to be a ton of room. There's been some discussion about whether or not guys should have the opportunity to opt out of their letter intent if they are so inclined. Has there been any talk publicly about anybody looking to do that that we've missed in the last few days? The only uh, player who's come across that way is uh, JUCO defensive tackle Ben Key, 
who you know didn't really have much connection to Mississippi State beyond Joe Moorhead and defensive line coach Deke Adams. And I don't think Adams is going to be retained at this time. You know, there has been no process, no progress uh, finding defensive coaches at this point to Mississippi State. I'm sure there's been progress that we don't know about, but anyway, uh, Key is the only one who's who's expressed some uncertainty about that. Uh, I know that he met with uh, with Coach Leach or and recently and has had a chance to talk to him. Um, and they're trying to get him to go ahead and, and early enroll like he was scheduled to do had Moore had taken over. Uh, but beyond that, all of the other players have, have made it pretty adamant that, that they're coming to Mississippi State. State had nine early enrollees. They're already on campus taking classes, and the rest of the class is expected to be here uh, for the summer. Bob Shoup, definitively not going to be a part of this staff going forward. Looks like he's headed to Michigan. Yeah, what a loss for the for the media here. One of the best interviews uh, that we had, but and, and a good defensive coordinator. I, I don't put a lot of MSU struggles last season defensively on at the, at the shoulders of Bob Shoup. I thought he did a, a good job, and obviously, you know, the year before that, he had the nation's number one defense, and obviously a ton of talent on that defense. But you know, you, you have to have the right coaching staff in place to, to get that to go. Um, so you know, but it looks like he's headed to Michigan. Can't imagine he's the defensive coordinator there. I don't. I don't think Don Brown was leaving, and he's obviously done a very good job there. At Michigan, so my guess is he'll he'll have a position coach role. He coached safeties here at Mississippi State. We'll see what he does uh, up in the Big Ten. I guess that's a pretty good landing spot. I mean, you know, you you certainly don't love the idea of taking a step back from being a coordinator to being a position coach. But when you go from an SEC program to a Big Ten program, uh, it's not like you're going to a place that doesn't have resources and doesn't have the ability to pay you competitively. And we don't know if there was additional money that was tied to his salary, but we did look last week in that salary database, and he was making about $600,000. It's altogether possible that he doesn't even take a, a very significant pay cut. Yeah, very very possible. And you know, you're going to an elite program, that you know, all the resources in the world. So, you know, good Except for, for Big Ten championships, they have the, yet to find well, that resource. That's not technically a resource. That's not a resource. That is a reward <laughs> of having good resources. So maybe, they don't, maybe their resources aren't good enough. I don't know. But yeah, we'll see what happens with with, with the rest of the staff. I expect by the end of uh, by the beginning of next week, I would imagine you start seeing some names as far as the defensive staff coach. The offensive staff is starting to fill out a little bit, uh, but defensively, you haven't you haven't had anything yet. In terms of recruiting. There weren't a lot of spots left, and with the way the early signing period is built, if guys sign letters of intent, they're going to be part of the program, whether those are guys that Mike Leach and ultimately what his staff consists of would have signed or not, um, those are going to be his guys, at least for the foreseeable future, unless they choose uh, to opt out. It's not a scenario where the school can choose to opt out. So what else in in terms of finishing out this recruiting class in terms of numbers, what's available? What, what can they do? How creative can they be? I think they have, you know, maybe three or four spots that they can use here. Um, and it's interesting, you know, when when Moorhead was the coach, there was talk of okay, they might like to get another linebacker, might like to get another defensive back. And now I can't help but think they're going to try to get a couple of receivers. There's one here in Starkville, Rufus Harvey, that everybody has been talking about for the past few months. Will he end up earning an offer? He had AJ Brown go to Twitter to stump for him, telling both State and Ole Miss, one of you should offer this kid. Um, and then as far as grad transfers go, I have to think State's going to keep a pretty keen eye out for a couple of, for at least one veteran receiver. You know, it didn't work out with Isaiah Zuber a season ago, but that's no reason to, to be gun shy about it. You definitely would, if you can find a, a 
quality receiver out there. You you sort of need one uh, right this second. Uh, and then sort of what Rippy said, best available. There's, they're going to they're look around, and you know I'm sure that uh, some of the, the guys that, that Leach was looking at at Washington State, he might try to find you know a, a spot for them here if if he, if they feels that they'll be a good fit for SEC play. Uh, but the good news is, like you said, you know with State signing so many guys in the early signing period, basically their entire class, that even if they only get a couple of guys here and there, it's not going to be a, a huge deal for them. They 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 put together the full class. It's not like the situation at Ole Miss where they still have to put together the full class. In terms of the quarterback spot, and and I think that's where more eyes will be than anything else going into the spring. You think Mississippi State's quarterback for next year is on campus right now, or is there some sort of a move in terms of the transfer portal, whether it's a grad transfer or somebody coming in that might have immediate eligibility? Or another high school kid that's out there floating around, for that matter. Well, I don't think they would go for another high school kid. I think they, you know, if they were going to go that route, Will Rogers coming in, who was, you know, one of the his first offer came from Mike Leach at Washington State. Don't I don't see them going that route. And as far as the grad transfer goes, something they could look into for sure. But I think you, you've got some talented quarterbacks on campus. Now they they obviously weren't recruited to run this system, but I don't think the the quarterbacks at Texas Tech when he got there and the quarterback at Washington State was recruited for for the same thing, and they ended up putting up good numbers. Trader's a talented quarterback, you know, and he can, I think he gives him a she or sorry, gives Leach a, a running threat he hasn't had in the past with some of his quarterbacks. So I think State's quarterback is currently on campus. You, you'll be happy to know, by the way, uh, Schrader, the beard is no more. That's good. Yeah, I saw I saw that picture floating around. That um, yeah, that felt like a good decision. I, I know you're maybe less enthralled with that decision than some are, but uh, it was kind of gross. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Very you, man. You're not a fan of it being gone, huh? Ah, you know, I'm a bearded guy myself, so, you know, I hate to see us lose a fraternity member like that. Well, he, he still can have stubble or a light beard without looking like a knockoff Duck Dynasty character. <laughs> so he's not long enough yeah. to be part of the uh, full-on Duck Dynasty crew, but um, anyway, just having a little fun with that. Shave or don't shave, whatever you want to do, Garrett Schrader. Sports Talk Mississippi. LSU is going to look a whole lot different next year. We'll tell you how coming up. Got a message on the ceasefire text line from Michael in Poplarville. It says McKinley Jackson should be target number one for Ole Miss. Yeah, I hear you, Michael. Unfortunately, I think he's also target number one for Texas A&M and for, Mrs., uh, for uh, LSU. And here's the thing about success for other teams in the SEC. So, are there elements of teams in your conference winning championships that are good for everybody? Sure. Yeah, elevates the overall brand uh, of the league. Generates revenue that's good for everybody. But the downside of that is, if there's a kid in your home state... I'm using kid loosely, who does not feel compelled to stay home, quote-unquote, for college, then when a program that just won a national championship, LSU, or a program that has played for a bunch and won a bunch of national championships in recent years, Alabama, or a program that 
is devoting all resources necessary in terms of recruiting, Texas A&M, to try and win a championship, you got a pretty tough set of battles or foes to fight. I saw news that McKinley Jackson has canceled a potential visit to Oxford. The only two visits that he's going to take between now and signing, signing day are to Baton Rouge and to College Station. So while I understand the idea of, if you're Ole Miss, hey man, McKinley Jackson, that guy could be a game changer for you on the defensive side of the ball. He's got to be your number one target. Yeah, but do you really want to waste any resources or waste any time going after a guy that you got no shot of shining? I can't even talk. No shot of signing? You know, sometimes you got to make those decisions as well. You don't hear anything in terms of sounding like McKinley Jackson has an interest in Ole Miss, do you? Uh, I, from the copious recruiting sources I have, no, not really. <laughs> so, supposedly there was a relationship there with Freddie Roach of of sorts, and if there was any shot that Ole Miss had, it was going to be through the connection of Freddie Roach. He's going to the Giants. It appears. I think that's been pulled up. Uh, um, reported by multiple NFL sources. And, I mean, hey, Dad, Mississippi State's in the same boat, right? They'd love to get McKinley Jackson. Oh, yeah. I mean, He's not going to state or Ole Miss, one. though. Yeah, he wants to go out of state, it looks like. So, you know, that, that happened. You know, that's, that's becoming a little bit maybe of a, of a disturbing trend. What are we at? Three years in, or three of the last four years, the top recruit in the state has gone out Cam Akers and the Kobe Dean. And now McKinley Jackson looking like he's headed that way. But, I mean, it's just when there's talented players anywhere, the programs like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, they're going to come get them if they can. Yeah. Uh, Somebody sends a message, says, if you can evaluate like Mullen, it doesn't matter. There are plenty of three stars out there. Yeah, it does That's fine, but you got to evaluate like Mullen, who, you know. But even still, evaluating like Mullen led to really good football teams that could never beat the great teams. Well, and but, but let's right. take a step beyond that. Hey, Dad, who are the best defensive linemen that Mississippi State's had in the last five years? They're uh, a five-star kid and two four-star, or two five-star kids and a four-star kid. Yeah, Simmons. That would Chris be Jones, uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Chris Jones and Montez Sweat, right? Well, well, no, Sweat was a three-star guy. I was, gonna, I was thinking of Fletcher Cox. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There's a reason that some players coming out of high school have five stars next to their name. It's because they're future first-round NFL players. Yep. Is there a bust from time to time? Of course there is. Of course there is. It's just the nature of the beast. I mean, here's a message that says Jackson will go to Ole Miss. Okay, man. That's great news if you're an Ole Miss fan. And apparently you know something that nobody else knows. Appreciate you sharing that with the audience. Another message says, yeah, Jackson would be a super tough pull for Ole Miss. As bad as I hate to admit it, it's just not going to happen. LSU, earlier this week, won a national championship. Today, they're getting on a plane to go to Washington, D.C. to meet with the Louisiana delegation and the President of the United States tomorrow. Since that national championship win on Monday night, these are the things that won't be back in Baton Rouge. 
according to Matt Hayes, a generational quarterback, critically innovative offensive and defensive coordinators in Joe Brady and Dave Aranda. Early departures for the NFL, All-American wide receiver Justin Jefferson, All-American free safety Grant Delpit, 1,000-yard rusher Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, center Jared Cushenberry and left tackle Sadiq Charles, and two starting inside linebackers. LSU's still going to be good next year, but they have got massive work to do between now and the start of the 2020 season. And he's recruited well enough to where maybe they just reload, but replacing the the staff members is what I'm fascinated by. And uh, Your friend Cole Kublik on Twitter, and I'm sure he's absolutely right about this, is not worried about his ability to hire uh, great people to replace Joe Brady and Dave Aranda, but you're still having to do it, and the hit rate's not 100%. Uh, So this is a fascinating time for him. I think he obviously passed a major test at Orgeron by going 15-0 and and winning a national championship. He proved a lot of people, myself included, big one wrong uh, with his ability to do that. This is a bigger test for him because it feels like they kind of caught lightning in a bottle with a 30-year-old passing game coordinator and a transfer quarterback. And a running back that Edward Hilaire was not exactly the highly recruited guy. He just ended up being a star. He's going to measure at the combine. Yeah, at like, he, he was a top 20 guy nationally. I thought he was a three-star. No, no, no. He was a three-star He, he was the 19th yeah, ranked running back guy. in the country. Yeah. He was a three-star guy. Well, three-star or not, Either he way, still was point, top 20 in the country. At his position, at his position or nationally? Not nationally. His, as the running back. Point being, he it feels like... the 378th best player in the country, according to 24-7. Okay. Um, long-winded way to say, uh, I think he's got a bigger test now than he did winning with Dave Aranda, the best defensive coordinator in college football, some people will tell you. Uh, a guy that the Panthers just hired to run their offense. Uh, the most accurate and efficient quarterback in college football history. It's a little bit easier to win with that group. Now you got to replace all of them. So the test that he's got upcoming is might even be more difficult than what he just was able to pull off, which he's recruited well enough, and it may not matter, but still, that's a huge test for him upcoming. Completely agree with you on that front. Completely. He's basically got to do what Nick Saban's been doing for the last decade. When you win at a really high level and you have good position coaches and position coaches or coordinators that have great reputations, people are coming after them because they want to try and copy what you've done. Just happens to be a year where Nick Saban was able to keep his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Is it coincidental that that happened in a year when Alabama didn't get to the playoff? Yeah, maybe. People took a look at Sark. People took a look at Pete Golding, not to be a head coach, but he was talked about in a lot of searches, and Alabama was able to maintain some continuity at offensive and defensive coordinator this year. For for the first time, Clemson is having to deal with this. Right, They lose their offensive coordinator this year. Dabo has had unbelievable continuity on his staff. Kirby's having to deal with it. Right, he lost Mel Tucker last year to Colorado, and this year he loses Sam Pittman to Arkansas. He loses another coach this year 
Or was it just Pittman? I think I'm trying to remember if there there was another coach also. Anyway, you get the point, though. When you're a top-five program and you you win at an elite level, other people want to get to uh, top-five program level, and um, they go. So what... APB, is that all-purpose back? Is that what I'm looking at in these recruiting rankings? Yes. Yes. Okay, so in terms of all-purpose backs, Kalan LeBourne out of Virginia Beach went to Florida State. This was class of 2017. He was the highest-ranked all-purpose back. J.K. Dobbins was number two. He turned out to be pretty good. Say so. Anthony McFarland went to Maryland. He's been a good player. Chase Hayden went to Arkansas. What has he done? He's been injured, I think. He's had he's had he had a solid freshman year. And then Clyde Edwards Hilaire was the number five ranked all purpose back in the country. But to your point, Borky, and, and you as well, hey Dad, a three star guy. I guess it's kind of hard to get five stars as a running back, isn't it? There aren't, aren't many of those. Oh, no. There's only like 30 five-star guys in general. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. As I went down a recruiting rabbit hole during the break. So because we were talking about... Um, well, we were talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire a second ago, so I clicked on that 2017 class, and I just clicked over to quarterbacks. And I started looking at the quarterbacks from the 2017 class. So this is not broken down by position or, or by either pro style or du- dual threat. These are all rolled into one. Number one quarterback in the class of 2017 was Davis Mills out of Norcross, Georgia. Hey, Dad, can you tell me where he went to school? Number one quarterback in the country. Stanford. Did you know that or did you look it up? I knew it. Okay, so you knew that. Used to, I used to produce a couple of recruiting podcasts, so yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm I know a lot about, about these guys. Yeah. To your knowledge, has he played anything, any, any significant snaps at Stanford? To my knowledge, no. But, I mean, I could totally be wrong. Number two quarterback in the class of 2017, Hunter Johnson, went to Clemson, now at Northwestern. Number three quarterback in the class turned out to be a pretty good one. Tua Tonga-Vailoa from Honolulu, went to Alabama, now headed to the NFL. Number three quarterback in the class, Jake Fromm. And for all the talk of Justin Fields, Jake Fromm was the fourth Best quarterback in the class of 2017. Went to Georgia, now headed to the NFL. First round pick, too, probably. Tate Martell, number five. <laughs> Old Tate. Tate Martell. Do you see From Ohio uh, State Tate to Miami, Mar- and not much since. Uh, other than his uh, girlfriend and his mom getting into shouting matches on Twitter. With each other? With each other. Yeah, they hate each other. Apparently, girlfriend is keeping Tate away from the family, and mom doesn't like it, so they uh, spar on Twitter about it. Mm. Going That's very well. That's a good look. 
Jack Sears, Southern Cal, now at San Diego State. Kellen Mond still at Texas A&M. That's worked out well. Sam Ellinger at Texas has worked out well. Dylan McCaffrey still waiting his turn at Michigan. He's about to get that. Miles Brennan still waiting his turn at LSU. Chris Robison went to Oklahoma. He's now at FAU. Keaton Thompson was the 12th ranked quarterback in the class of 2017. And at least for now, Haydad still waiting potentially his turn at Mississippi State. We just don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, and I don't know that it's ever going to come, to be honest with you. If he does not win the starting job in spring, he's got to go, right? He's going to go I mean, or he's going to change position? Not got to go those, in the sense that he's going to be four. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Right, right, I was just saying, not, not got to go in the sense that he's going to be forced out. But if he wants to play football, he's got to go somewhere where he can get a shot to play. He's either, he's either going to transfer to play quarterback somewhere else or he'll be up for a position change and stay here at Mississippi State. Those are those are really the only two options. Sean Clifford still at Penn State. That's worked out for him. Sean Robison went to TCU. He's now at Missouri. And Kosey Perry still at Miami, and it's been a little rocky. Tristan Gebbia. Is that a name that popped up? Did, did Ole Miss get in on trying to recruit him? Is that a name that Borky? Do you remember that name? I do. Yeah, they were. Uh, they absolutely tried, but he signed with Nebraska instead. So went to Nebraska. He is now at Oregon State. Kasim Hill signed with Maryland. He is now at Tennessee. Avery Davis signed with Notre Dame. He's still there. Lowell Narcisse went to LSU. Highly thought a four-star player, 19th best quarterback in the country coming out of high school, St. James in Louisiana. He's now at UTSA. Chase Garbers has done well at Cal when he's been able to stay healthy. Tommy DeVito is still at uh, Syracuse. Hendon Hooker came on strong for Virginia Tech at the end of the year. Isn't it crazy, though, to look at these quarterbacks and to see this many who are not with the school they signed with just three years ago? It's the way of the future. That's the, the way you continue to be like present this. as well. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this is how it's going to be from now on. Guys are going to come in, they'll give it a year or two, and if they don't feel like they're making headway, they're going to get out. Well, the crazy thing, if you scroll past about 25, you get into names of guys that you've really never heard of. Yeah. It's like, I, like I'm scrolling through to go, okay, is there a guy who has kind of risen to the point where now he's a household name? Not really. Charlie Brewer at Baylor. There's one. He was ranked 52nd in the class of 2017. Daryl Mack at UCF was ranked um, Oh, I can't tell where he was ranked. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Recruiting. It's that time of the year. Sports Talk Mississippi. With you, one hour in the books.
Sports Talk Mississippi with you Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride as we begin the 4 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Happy to have John Gassaway from ESPN.com. He visited with us, I think it was stretch run of the basketball season a year ago when we were getting closer to the uh, the end of the year. And we're trying to figure out what was going to happen with Mississippi State and with Ole Miss in terms of the NCAA tournament. So, John, appreciate you uh, joining us again. Hope you're doing well. I, I have to ask you something about um, your, your Twitter profile. What is the myth right. that I'm not aware of surrounding the election of 1840? Oh, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be gold for your listeners. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody's really interested in the election of 84. I actually uh, I wrote a a uh, research paper in grad school on the election of 1840. So I uh, I try to drag that into my basketball writing whenever I can, and uh, that's difficult, but I do my best. Well, good good for you. We'll have to uh, go back and do a little research on that. Maybe we can find your paper somewhere and uh, and read it. Hey, I'm curious to start things off. A win last night for South Carolina over Kentucky. They get a buzzer beater. South Carolina is sitting there at nine and seven, and they've got three pretty good wins, at least in terms of name ID and value. Maybe not so much in the net, with a road win against Virginia, a road win against Clemson, who's been better since, and now a home win against Kentucky. But they've also got two really bad losses to Boston and Stetson, and then Houston's not a bad loss, but but another loss in there. What are we going? How are we going to evaluate? South Carolina, when inevitably, inevitably we get to March and we start trying to make sense of their wins versus their losses. Yeah, it, it is that Stetson uh, loss that really jumps off the page. But um, to even get to the point where people would be saying, uh, you know, no, you can't can't get in the NCAA tournament because you lost to Stetson, um, I think the, the prior uh, challenge will just be wins. Uh, even with the buzzer beater, which by the way was fantastic, I was watching that live, and no doubt. Uh, that that just that just never gets old, you know. <laughs> that is college basketball uh, right there. I, I loved it, but even with the win over Kentucky, this is still a team that's that's nine and seven, and that is going to have to do some work to get to five hundred in the SEC in a year where it doesn't look like being 500 in the SEC is going to get it done anyway. So um, maybe this is the, the start of uh, South Carolina turning over a new leaf. You you always hold out the possibility that, you know, Frank Martin is, has got some kind of special sauce on, on defense, and they, you know, they definitely looked pretty good last night in the, in the second half. They looked fantastic. They looked even better on offense, actually, in the second half. Um, so maybe this, maybe this is going to, uh, turn things around, but it's, it's going to be a long haul to, uh, get enough wins to, to be considered after the, the slow start that they did have to the regular season. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point because people still associate Frank Martin with grind it out, slow it down, defense, limit possessions of the opponent. And the reality is that's just not what yeah. they do anymore. But no, not some, this year. No. Yeah. It, it, why is it that, that a notion like that it, it dies so hard? Or does yeah, well, it want he is to a die? Good, he, he is a good defensive coach, and uh, the Gamecocks are better at defense this year than at offense, which is a uh, politic way of saying uh, they're they're very mediocre at offense this year. Until the second half last night, when they when they have like fifty one points, it was incredible. Yeah. So uh, again, 
you get an image, uh, it, it does stick to you. And, you know, in Martin's defense, those really were some, uh, some great, uh, defenses that he had, obviously in the final four and before that at Kansas State. So it's a well, well won, uh, reputation, but you're right, uh, this year, uh, for anybody who's, uh, tracking possessions, uh, South Carolina is, is up there among the national leaders in, in terms of pace. What do we do with Mississippi State? I mean, I, I know right now that they're sitting there where, yeah, you know, they're not in the NCAA tournament conversation right now. But you look at the talent on that roster, and they should be better than they are. Uh, sitting at one and three, two more home games in a row before they, they make a road trip to Oklahoma. Can this Mississippi State team kind of flip the script at this point of the year? Yeah, they're in a they're in a better uh, position than, than South Carolina because, uh, first of all, their record uh, overall is better. Uh, they did not uh, lose to Stetson. You know, you could make a case that their worst loss uh, is to uh, New Mexico State, and that was a uh, you know semi neutral floor. You know, losing to even Louisiana Tech at home that's that's not even the same zip code as a loss to to Stetson. So. Uh, they're in a better, they're in a better shape. And as you point out, two winnable home games coming up. Although, uh, don't minimize the Razorbacks by, by any means. They are looking very tough, but you know, you could, you could see them winning those and then nothing wrong with a road win at Oklahoma. And let's just uh, be hypothetical here and say, yeah, they, they roll those three wins off and you, then you're 13 and six and then you're, you're in there swinging. So. And you would be three and three in the SEC at that point. So slightly different uh, case for Mississippi State, but clearly at a fork in the road at this point. It's it's not a done deal by any means when you're sitting at one and three in the SEC. John Gasway covers college basketball for ESPN.com. You can read his work. It's uh, it's always smart work. A little bit different angle than uh, than some of what you read out there. Arkansas. You mentioned them just a second ago. Uh, they have the uh, the loss at LSU, but they've got a win at Ole Miss this past weekend. Big win at home last night against Vanderbilt. If you rewind a year to what Eric Musselman was doing at Nevada, is there anything that surprises you about Arkansas's results so far this season? Um, it's feeling – I don't know how to make an adjective out of the word Musselman, uh, Musselman-esque or Musselmanian. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, it, it feels very characteristic, I'll put it that way. Uh, Nevada was always a, a tough uh, defensive team, uh, of course – in Reno, uh, he, he built it largely out of transfers. And here he has to work around, uh, guys who are already there. <laughs> Isaiah Joe, what's up with that? So, uh, the, the cupboard wasn't bare by, by any means. And, uh, the Razorbacks are shockingly close to being undefeated. The LSU, uh, game that you mentioned, they lost by two. Uh, they were beaten in overtime by, uh, Western Kentucky in a true road game that makes you wonder, why are you playing a true road game in Western Kentucky? But that's good point. That's it, and yeah, that, that's it. And they're fourteen and two overall, three and one in the SEC, and big, big game uh, coming up in Fayetteville against Kentucky. So uh, they are just where they want to be uh, right now. They are in the NCAA tournament, but unfortunately, right now is mid-January. They got to keep it going uh, for another couple months. But uh, the numbers look awfully familiar to anyone who saw uh, what Musselman was doing in Nevada. This is a really, really good defense, possibly the best in the SEC. John, a year ago, Ole Miss was one of the surprises in all of college basketball after being finished 
to pick or pick to finish dead last in the in the uh, SEC. They end up getting into the NCAA tournament. They're sitting at nine and seven this year. Obviously, Terrence Davis, who is now at times starting for the Toronto Raptors, is is gone from that team a year ago. But they did have some experience at the guard spot coming back. Are, are you surprised at all? Is there anything you see with Ole Miss from a trend standpoint, from a uh, a pace of play standpoint that makes you think they can turn things around? Or is kind of what you see what you get with Ole Miss right now? Well, you know, uh, the the funny thing about the Rebels is their most encouraging game to my eye. I mean, obviously, you know, beating Penn State is is the best uh, best thing on the resume. But in terms of uh, quality of play, uh, the close game that uh, that Kermit Davis's team played against uh, the aforementioned Razorbacks, you know, they yeah. they could have won that game. They were in it to the end. They only lost by four. And again, I think that's a really good. Uh, defense that Arkansas has. So, I mean, I think that that's what you need to hang your hat on. Uh, that was a, a game where they, uh, where Ole Miss scored respectably. And then what's uh, more disillusioning are, are the outings against uh, Florida and Texas A&M. Uh, those defenses, at least to this point, aren't, aren't on the same level as, as that of Arkansas. And of course, those were more uh, lopsided losses, uh, double digits, although the one to A&M was only 10 points. So uh, I would point out this is an opportunity coming up with this next game. Uh, LSU, yeah, they're, they're at the top of the standings. But again, just like last year, they're, they're winning a crazy number of really close games. <laughs> they're not blowing opponents away by any means. And, and if you can play Arkansas, even on your home floor, you know, you can do the same thing with LSU. That would be a nice win. So uh, opportunity knocks, and uh, it, it comes in the form of the Tigers. John, last thing, less than a minute remaining uh, up against a hard break. Who's the best team in the country right now? I know Gonzaga's sitting there at number one in the AP. Baylor's sitting there at number one in the net. Uh, who do you like for, for your money right now as the best team in the country? Yeah, that is uh, that is a tough one to ask just after uh, Duke <laughs> lost at Clemson. But uh, I'm going to straddle this a bit and say I, I have a feeling that right now in January the best team is a team in the Big 12. I don't know if that's Baylor. I don't know if that's Kansas. I don't even know if it's West Virginia, who nobody's talking about. And they, they might have the best defense of those three teams. But uh, Kansas has the, the the talent, and those other two, man, you don't want to play them. I mean, they are just lunch pail, tough as nails uh, outfits that are hard to score against, and I love watching them. So uh, the Big Ten is the deepest and the strongest conference overall this year, but at the very top, there's going to be some really nice seeds going the Big 12's way. John, thanks so much for your time. Hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. John Gassaway from ESPN.com. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Well done, Borky. Well done. (laughs) Odell Beckham Jr. has now successfully made more headlines than the national championship win for LSU. Mm, Maybe not. But... You want to talk about a guy that craves attention, who is most definitely interested in co-opting the spotlight from his alma mater and has done so successfully. There is now a an arrest warrant out 
for Odell Beckham Jr. in New Orleans. Because he slapped the rear end of a cop in the LSU locker room. Now, Borky, you say in fairness the cop was being ridiculous. Yeah, he was in. The, he was the guy that was in the locker room yelling at the players because they were smoking. If you watch the video of Odell slapping him on the butt, he is in the face of one of LSU's players who has a cigar in his hand. And then afterwards, it came out that uh, in the in the complaint that led to the arrest warrant, the cop had to say he he resisted the urge to punch him in the face. Now, if a random guy slaps my butt, I'd want to have that urge too. It's just probably not something you should say as a uh, withholder of the law. Yeah. He did resist the urge, though, so it's not like he did anything wrong. I mean, it's not illegal to have that thought. No. Can we not assume... if, If we're using our brains, don't we say that this police officer did not, of his own accord go into LSU's national championship celebrating locker room to tell people to put cigars out. He he was acting on the orders of a superior, right? You would think so, but then why is he getting in their faces? Think. Why doesn't he just draw their attention and say, hey guys, look, I know you're happy. I know you're happy. Stadium's got a policy. Please hold the cigars until you leave here. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. Just uh, put them out and smoke them when you leave. That's all I ask. Like that's what all that he happened? asked. He's to a huge Alabama fan. What if that happened? Big Alabama first? fan. He's just trying to. Yeah, it's possible. It, it is possible. Then Could, wouldn't we know that? Couldn't we have avoided all this if OBJ just said "good game" after hitting him on the butt? <laughs> and that, and that how it works. New Orleans police earlier today obtained an arrest warrant accusing NFL player Odell Beckham Jr. of simple battery in relation to a locker room interaction he had with a Superdome police officer. I mean, it was a it was a New Orleans police officer. The, it, so apparently there's two different things. So the Superdome itself has its own set of police officers that are their own separate entity from the New Orleans Police Department, but it's worth oh. it's worth noting they are not security guards. Like they are police officers, deputized that, security. Uh, yeah, gun, that, guns on belts. Yes, they are real cops. They just work on the property in within the Superdome. Odell Beckham takes a long look at his rear end. I'm watching the video right now. Takes a long look and he takes a step back and then goes whack. And when he takes a step back after whacking the police officer on the rear end, he then engages with the police officer. It appears as if he is saying to him, you got to be kidding me, man. They just won a national championship. You in here talking to him about cigars. Sorry, a little poetic license there. I don't know what he said to him. Probably wasn't good. <sighs> Is this a thing? I mean, it's obviously a story. We're talking about it. A law enforcement source said authorities originally sought a warrant for a misdemeanor sexual battery charge, but that was declined by a judge. The warrant was redrafted, asserting a count of simple battery, and was approved. If it had been a female cop, he would have gotten hit for sexual assault. Oh, I 100% agree with that. By the way, the difference in those two crimes is not insignificant. Louisiana law defines misdemeanor sexual battery as the intentional touching 
of the bosom or buttocks of a victim who did not consent to the contact, uh, contact while it carries a maximum of six months in jail, it is relatively uh, more serious than other misdemeanors because it is not expungible from the record in the event of conviction. Simple battery, battery committed without the consent of the victim, up to six months in prison and a maximum fine of $1,000 and is expungible for first-time offenders. I mean, can we just fast forward to the end of this and know that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to pay a $1,000 fine, he's going to get some probation, or maybe not, and it's going to be expunged from the record? There's going to be some signed gear in the uh, New Orleans Police Department uh, rec room or something? Probably. Statement from the Browns, we are aware of the incident and have been in touch with Odell and his representatives on the matter. They are cooperating with the proper authorities to appropriately address the situation. Man, I, I wonder if they're not working their way. And they paid too much for it, so maybe it's not possible. But I wonder if the Browns aren't thinking, uh, maybe we could pull a Giants here and just offload him. I mean, the Giants paid so much for him, and he became too much. And now in Cleveland, uh, we said a few weeks ago, he was literally going to the opponent's sideline pre-snap, asking them to trade for him and now he was acting like a complete clown after that game, slapping a cop on the butt. I, I saw somebody say that this looks like the beginning of the Antonio Brown saga, just with a different guy. And, I mean, it's hard to not worry that he's going down that path, right? I mean, that that's just the way he acted is not okay on any level. And that's after an embarrassing season after he got traded away from New York when New York really didn't want to. He just basically forced their hand. It's uh, going down an ugly path. Um, who's more interested in ridding themselves or disassociating themselves from Odell Beckham Jr.? LSU or the Cleveland Browns? LSU. I mean, the NCAA's probably coming calling today because of that idiot. I think it's Why the other way around. Why is he in the around. locker room? Because he's, he's Odell Beckham. Former I, I, bet, I would imagine he's not... He's not the only former player that was in the locker room. He's the only one just making a scene. For some reason, day, Zeke Elliott he, he was is, in the locker room. So there you go. He he is an LSU so Tiger. Thomas, they're they're going to look at this as yeah. They're going to look at this as like yeah. You know, he's the crazy uncle or whatever. They'll they'll get over it. The Browns are going to look at this and say, "What have we got? Our, why are we why are we doing this?" Uh, some messages on the ceasefire text line. The smart thing for the cop to do would have been to go to Coach O and let him handle it. It's not his coach. Yeah, but don't you think Coach Joe would have say? What do you think Coach Joe would? I mean, is he going to make him run stadiums like he's uh, grab him by the the back of the neck and throw him out of his locker room? Yeah. Um, Message says Vince Vaughn was in the locker room. Vince Vaughn was everywhere with the president in the locker room. Uh, Here's one that says this is stupid. It's not like you hit him in the head. Rudy says law enforcement. Yeah, but if I if I slap a police officer walking around the square, I'm probably getting cuffed. Agreed. Like, they, like everyone's saying that. Like, I, I maybe putting out an arrest warrant's a little ridiculous after the fact, but like, if I'm walking around like on the street, I see a police officer, I hit him on the butt, I'm probably getting cuffed. That seems like fairly common knowledge. Well, and the the officer said he didn't arrest him on the spot because it would have caused such a commotion within the locker room that they thought I mean, that this was the better route to take. You gotta kind of give him credit for that, right? 
Because I mean, if you re- if in all things considered, despite the fact that they won a football championship, like I mean, any other setting where you slap a guy on the butt, you're probably getting arrested on the spot. Is this happening because there was video of a it guy? Too? A cop. I mean, if there was me. no, if there was no video, and it doesn't get out there, maybe the cop just sort of brushes it off. But maybe he feels like he has to do something because people can see it happening. Rudy says law enforcement have the right to have a workplace where they aren't harassed. Just because their workplace is uh, is the world does not make it any different. That's just my two cents. Uh, somebody said if the guy was this angry when it happened, you take OBJ out of the locker room and deal with it, not wait and then make a new story out of it. Yeah, this thing would have blown up if they had cuffed OBJ in the uh, in the locker room. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not saying they would have been out of line for doing it. The way the guy turned around, I'm not sure it was just a slap. There might have been some squeezing action as well. I'm not really, I can't tell. Somebody wants to know what the penalty is for smoking inside the Superdome. Probably a removal from the facility, if I had to guess, and nothing more. I mean, worse things have happened than smoking inside of that building. There were certainly worse things than that happening outside of that building on my walk back to the hotel on Monday night. Guy leaned up a building just rolling one as we were walking back to the (laughs) hotel. Somebody said he meant for the cop to go to Coach O and have him handle the smoking situation and just deal with it. That makes sense. That probably would have made some sense. Question is, was it a malicious spank on the hiney or was it, uh, ooh, it's like targeting your hiney. It's like in targeting. Intent doesn't matter. Pretty good. Why does nobody use that for their walk-up music in baseball? They're too young now. Millennials are stupid, Richard. Just ask what? Paul Gallo. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Richard's going to explain how millennials ruin baseball walk-up songs. No, no, no. I got no problem with that. Just, you know, as opposed to... I don't know. I just think they're like some classic songs that if that played every time you walk to the plate... One, you better be good. <laughs> you better be real good. That doesn't do it for you, though. Oh, I got excited. I was, I was, I was air guitaring it up in here. When does the uh, the sequel come out? I know it's this it, year, it, but when? Yeah, it's. I don't know the date. I should I, pre- I should probably etch that into my memory. June 26th. Awesome. June 26th. Perfect. Ooh. And you've seen the extended trailers, right? It looks like, knock on wood. It, it looks fantastic. They did it exactly how they should have. Just full of nostalgia. Basically do the same movie you did 30 years ago and make it cheesy and have the, the volleyball scene and all that crap and everybody's going <laughs> to love it because it's going to be great. Yeah, Jester's dead. <laughs> 
I never understood how you could play beach volleyball in the summer with blue jeans, but I guess it's not really important. If you want California you, thing, uh, I guess. Have you listened to the rewatchables about? Uh, I have not this, this movie. You you should because they go into great detail about that scene. <laughs> what what is the essence of why they played in jeans? It's all they had. Uh, they just they wanted to show off those guys basically, and but they didn't want to put them in speedos. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Wait, Rippy, have you not seen Top Gun? No, I have not. <sighs> That's worse than me and Karate Kid, man. Which movie gets replayed on television more? Top Gun or Karate Kid? One. Third answer, Shawshank Redemption. Right. Shawshank Redemption doesn't count. Right, that's on, that's a, that, that is literally on TNT every day from 3 to 6. Uh, the answer is Karate Kid. <laughs> every day. By the way, every day. Uh, if it was the, if they made that every day, if they made Shawshank every day, three to six, would you not watch it once a week? I would. Well, need to do it on the weekends. Hey, has anybody else made this comparison? I, I, I'm going to read you this. That's true. A message that came from my mother, nine thirteen on Monday night. So we're talking not quite half. Well, maybe halftime of the national championship game. This was a text from my mom. Has bugged the stew out of me who Joe Burrow reminds me of. Finally clicked. The guy from Shawshank. Andy. Andy Dufresne. And then she sent me a picture. And I was like, you're right. That's really good. So it's I mean, everybody's gone with the Macaulay Culkin comparison. Well, he looks like Jim Brewer, too. Is he not a dead ringer for Andy Dufresne, though? Yeah, there, there's something to that, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> not your best impersonation there, Morgan. I, I can't do Morgan that well, no. no there, there, nobody should be able to do it. His voice is very unique. I can't pull it off. Like a Twinkie, like a Twinkie. That's the best, by the way. If you get the uh, Morgan Freeman impersonator in the sound it. booth. Yeah. That's a good one. Have I ever told you the uh, my Morgan Freeman story? You have not. No, but, but please tell it. I was... <sighs> There's no other way to sound this, say this where it's going to sound like anything other than... So just, I was having dinner with Morgan Freeman at... Ooh, name drop. Look at this well, guy. I'm, I was trying not to do the name drop thing, but there's no other way to get to this without doing that. Who else is there? Mark Cuban, Chris Daughtry. Um, it was at Medidi, which was... Um, Bonita Fish, Bonita Run. The restaurant that he and Bill Luckett had in Clarksdale. Fantastic restaurant. Yeah, caught it. Uh, I, I'm just ignoring you and moving on with the story. So we're... We're into dinner and kind of moving toward wrapping up for the evening, and he's talking about this film that they've just finished up shooting in South Africa. The film was the one about the South African rugby team. You guys saw it, right? Invictus. Invictus. Yeah, it's good. And at the time, the film had not yet been named. 
but Invictus was the working title that they were going with at the time. And, of course, that brought the question on, well, why, why Invictus? And he says, well, Invictus is the poem that Nelson Mandela recited to himself every night in prison before he went to sleep while he was being held in captivity. And then he goes on to quote it, (laughs) sitting at the dinner table. It was pretty unbelievable. (laughs) That's really cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, that that one will will. So anyway, obviously, Next time you, uh, sit down to dinner with him. Get him to record a show intro for us. Uh, that was years ago, and I've not had dinner with him since. But that moment has certainly stuck with me. And a couple of the people that I was with when it was all dinner was over, we were all leaving. I looked. At, I said, "Did that really just happen?" Yeah, yeah, really happened. Uh anyway. There's your Morgan Freeman story. Um, NFL playoffs this weekend. Which game are you more excited about? And, and Rippy, you don't get to. Maybe Rippy, you have to be the last to answer this because Titans Chiefs, and you're a Titans guy. But just letting the two games sit on their own. Are you more excited about Titans Chiefs or Packers Niners? I think it's Titans Chiefs. Because this run has been really cool so far. But if if they can go to Foxborough and beat the greatest of all time and then go to Baltimore and beat the greatest that a lot of people think currently is and then you go to Kansas City and beat the greatest that probably actually currently really is in consecutive weeks on a run to the Super Bowl when you switched quarterbacks midseason, nobody really talked about you or believed in you, that is... I mean, the the kind of run that you talk about and watch on NFL films 15, 20 years from now. Rippy, how concerned are you that the Titans can't win in a track meet? I don't think it will be one. They're going to hand the ball to Derrick Henry 35 times. Well, I understand that, but you didn't think it was going to be necessarily... Maybe you did think it was going to be a track meet with Houston last week. I mean, but... It was 24 to nothing, and then they rip off... They, they outscore them fifty-one to seven the rest of the way. Sure, but Houston's defense is horrible. That's true. Titans are not, and the Titans had the number one offense in the NFL from the time Tannehill took over. That's just not Derrick Henry running the ball. I believe Brian Tannehill just, I believe from the time he took over, quarterback, he led in yards per completion. He's pushing the ball down the field. They just haven't asked him to do it. They've, you know, gotten an early lead and then taken the keys away from him. So I think he's capable of doing it. After he took over, he was second in the NFL in that time span in quarterback rating behind Drew Brees. I mean, he was that good. He wasn't dinking and dunking it. He was throwing it far down the field to A.J. Brown, among others, very often. A.J. Brown had one catch for four yards in the wild card game. In the division round game, uh, one catch for nine yards. So he's got two catches for a total of 13 yards after an unbelievable season. Can that change? Now, in fairness... Tannehill in two games has completed, what, 13 passes for 160 yards. Can can A.J. Brown stay, can he be held in check in three consecutive games? 
I mean, some of it depends on how they're faring stopping the run. But, yeah, I mean, I would, you would think it changed. There's going to come a point at some point in this run, however long it lasts, that Tannehill's going to have to throw more, I would think, because I don't think Derrick Henry can continue that exact level for you know, two more games. Maybe I'm wrong, but, yeah, I think definitely capable. The Tennessee Titans ran 52 plays in the game against Baltimore. 15 pass attempts, 37 rush attempts. Lamar Jackson had 59 pass attempts. And it was really 14. One of them, Henry, threw it. Yeah, but I mean, there were 15 total pass attempts. Tannehill had 14. Derrick Henry had one. So 15 total pass attempts and 37 rushes in the game. 52 total plays. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Ravens ran 88 plays in the game. They needed a few more. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll look at the other game coming up next as well. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. C Spire customer inspired. Don't forget you can experience healthcare on call with C Spire's health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Plus, for a limited time, visits are just $29 if you are a C Spire customer. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. All right, C Spire text line. Uh, quick sampling. Correct, Borky. Shawshank is great. I always stop to watch it. That's from Stan and Ripley. Richard and Wiggins says, uh, surely you guys have seen the Goonies. Rippy. Goonies? Yes, I've seen it. Uh, Rippy should be fired instantly for not having watched Top Gun. Does that mean I get a severance package? I met Morgan Freeman getting gas in Starkville in 1998 when I was at State. He was pumping his own gas. That's from Chris. Uh, well, I mean, reminds me of, of meeting the Rocket... Sorry, go ahead. Not a whole lot of places in Mississippi where they, they pump your gas for you anymore, is there? Aren't there two states where you cannot pump your own gas? It's like Oregon and I know one of them is I know one of them is Oregon. It, what is it, Massachusetts, maybe? Uh, There's a, there were two places but where I used to live in Jackson that had like full service options, I think. Tell me at the one at the uh, corner of um Northside Chevron. Northside yeah. and and County Line or it's uh Northside and Ridgewood? No, because Ridgewood's the one up. It's the next one up, yeah. thing's called. Yeah. Wait, they still do that? I don't know if there's still an option or not. It was like you could either oh, you pump do- your own or have somebody come out and pump your ass. The first two closest to, I don't know why this matters, but the first two closest to the actual gas station are full service and the dudes from the uh, garage pump it. Yeah. Was it Northside and, what's that, Old Fannin right there or Old Canton? It's the next road. I don't know, Whatever. man. doesn't matter. I've lived here for six years. I have no idea. Bill says New Jersey's like that. I was thinking New Jersey as well, but I think I think I pumped my own gas at a... But they don't... Maybe they, not. Isn't it more per gallon if you don't get it pumped for you or something? I mean, if you, if you don't pump it yourself? Yes, I think so. Okay. Hey, Dad, you a full service guy? Uh, no, I'll, I'll pump my own gas. Thank you. Reminds me of meeting the Rock and Roll Express at the pool of the Fairgrounds Ramada. Okay. Not really the same. I saw the Rock and Roll Express Express last week. Uh, My Morgan Freeman story. 
eating dinner at City Grocery. He's at the table next to me. It's also the same weekend that Kimdichi and Treadwell were visiting, and they came in to get an autograph from Morgan Freeman. That's Born not in all 1990. They got that <laughs> Never mind. I was born in 1990. My walkout song was "You Dropped the Bomb on Me." Is that the? Is that the home run song at Swayze? I'll be surprised. I think so, or at least it was a couple of years ago. Well, if it was a couple of years ago, I could tell you it is now. Ain't nothing changed. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Hey, Dad. What was that? I didn't say anything. Uh, here's one. I got Tannehill throwing for 300 plus two TDs against Kansas City. Okay? Richard, you might have had dinner with Morgan Freeman, but you can't tell a story like Morgan Freeman. No disagreement here. Who can? Not surprised that the Bernie supporter has not seen Top Gun. Good point. Follows it up with offshore oil field, likes the show, keep up the good work. Thanks. That's awesome. Mr. Wrestling, too. I think that was a hey dad reference. I think that's what I he know calls who Mr. Wrestling, too. Uh, is. Oh, no, never mind. Hmm. There is a uh, full service gas station in, uh, in Brookhaven, apparently. Yeah, it's Northside and Old Canton. There we go. From Larry, do you guys think we will continue to see teams compete for national championships simply because a really good quarterback transfers in like Burrow did? I mean, Ohio State will be one of the favorites next year. If Derek they got to have the guys around him, though. Yeah. If Derek King yeah, goes to Oklahoma, it? they'll be a favorite next year. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence could be immediately eligible to play next year at Oregon State, they're not going to win the national title. Well, three of the four playoff quarterbacks were transfers. I would say, of course so. Yeah. I mean, Georgia will be a, a championship contender. They have a transfer quarterback now in Jamie Newman. I mean, that mm-hmm. I don't know if that's be, that's not becoming the norm because there are elite quarterbacks out there. Like the guy after Trevor Lawrence is apparently just going to be Trevor Lawrence again. But when these programs like in Ohio State recruit five-star quarterback, four-star quarterback, five-star quarterback in a row – these guys get available and develop and go play. I mean, it might be the norm now. Well, I think the norm is if you recruit a five-star quarterback and you don't play them in the first year or two that they are there, they're going to leave. That happening is now the norm, not the exception. Doesn't mean you're not going to recruit five-star quarterbacks. You'd love to get them. But if you get one... You know going in pretty much either they sit one year and become your starter or they start year number one or you lose them. That's kind of how it works now. College Football Fix is next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. According to a report from Bill Shaken of the Los Angeles Times, the city government of Los Angeles will vote this week on a resolution that would not only ask Major League Baseball to vacate the World Series titles of the Astros and Red Sox in 2017 and 18, respectively, but also to retroactively award both of those titles 
to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Can't get behind that. I'm sure Los Angeles has no other problems that the city council could be working on than a sports ball championship, but hey, more power to them. Hey, Dad, it really like, it, it kind of seems like only the reasonable thing to do, though, right? Seems completely unreasonable to me. Just vacate the title. There is no champion that year. But, I mean, you can't not have a champion. You had another team that made it to the World <laughs> Series. Ah, uh, you know, I just don't see it. I just, <laughs> they had Clayton Kershaw. They had no chance of winning a postseason series like that. Come on. If it had been San Francisco instead of L.A., would you want the titles? I would be in Houston as we speak, like just taking the, the trophy away. And be like, it's coming with me, boys. Mm-hmm. Okay, at least we know where you stand. That would be fair. Sports Talk yeah. Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Don't forget, you can always go back and grab the show via podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple or Stitcher or Google Play or... Uh, if Rippy just hand delivers it to you on a daily basis. Wherever you get them, you can get them. If you miss any of the show, you can also listen on demand at supertalk.fm. Time right now for the College Football Fix. Maybe one of my favorite college football fixes of all time coming your way right now. The College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out all about Ford's SUVs, whether it's the Explorer or the Escape or the Expedition. Ford has got you covered. They've got SUVs that perform like SUVs. Drive it like a Ford. Drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. The Athletic caught up with 10 of Mike Leach's former quarterbacks at Washington State and ask them questions about his team meetings. Hey, Dad, you're excited about this, aren't you? Well, I've already read it, so yeah. It really is spectacular. This is the story from back in the fall that they like, where they would like certain times when to ask and not ask to ask questions because they knew they'd be in there for an extra half hour. Yeah, so Jason Jinks yeah. wrote the question, or wrote the uh, story. So we're going back a little bit. He talked with quarterbacks Austin Apodaca, I think. Connor Zunite. Connor Halliday. Jesse Brown, Christian Jorgensen, Casey Brink, Gardner Minshew. So was this part of the Gardner Minshew story where it came out where he was like shoving the bottle of vanilla crown in his waistband? Same story? This is ex- just questions and answers about his team meetings. So maybe okay. that was part of the research, but that's all this is, is them just describing what it was like to be in the meeting room with Mike Leach. Isaac Dotson, Tyler Brugman, Eric Anderson. So a bunch of guys that played quarterback for Mike Leach at Washington State. My only question is, are we going to get stories like this out of former Mississippi State quarterbacks 10 years from now on what it was like to play for Mike Leach. I can only hope so. I would imagine so. Yeah. I'll, I hope I don't have to wait 10 years. Connor Halliday, first team meeting. He had just gotten there, and I was expecting him to install the offense. Everybody had their notebooks out ready to go. I think we got there at like 6 o'clock at night, and we're there until 9.30. He didn't speak one word 
about football. <laughs> A little editor's note here. Was, have the recent coaches, hate at it, Mississippi State, been like first in the door guys? Like 5.30, 6.30, they're showing up at the building ready to both, get the day going? I think both Mullen and Moorhead were, were early risers on that account. Okay. I have it on good authority that that is absolutely not the case, or at least in the past has not been the case with Mike Leach. Might not show up to work until 11 or noon. Doesn't mean he's not putting in the time. He's just not a morning guy. You want to talk ball with him, 12, 1, 2 in the morning, he's burning the midnight oil, but he's not one of those Ed Ogeron types that is at the building at 5.30 every day. Right. So, hey, Dad, maybe you can catch him sometime late at night, sneak in, learn some ball. I'm a night owl myself. We might, we might, uh, might do that. Halliday, on his way in from Spokane, he almost got in a car crash. There was a snowstorm that day, and a semi-truck had rolled, and he was talking about how dangerous it is for semis to drive in the snow. I was already a huge Leach fan, so I knew a little about his formations and a few plays, so I wrote down a few things in my notebook. I was excited to get the meeting started, but the only thing I wrote down in big, bold letters was, what the blank is going on right now? One of his quarterbacks said, our number one rule was never say or ask or do anything that would get him talking about anything besides the film. He sounds like my eighth grade uh, earth science coach. If you just want, he'd be talking about, you know, God knows what with rocks. And you just, coach, did you blah, blah, blah. And then that was the end of the class. You just, you knew you had him for 30 minutes. Here's another one. There were definitely games going on within the quarterbacks. Leach would cycle through stories, and then you get guys trying to trigger certain stories. They knew what to say in order to get him to go off on a tangent. (laughs) Which I guess is fun if you're bored, but it's not as much fun if you're trying to get out of the meeting. i got to reach out to some of these guys and find out what what the trigger words are so I can see if I can throw it into a press conference one day. We'd have people sit in our meetings all the time, and it got to the point that our quarterbacks would say to the guys coming into the meeting, look, we're glad to have you here, but don't say anything. Because the second you do, that's going to be the focus of this meeting, and then we'll be here all night. (laughs) Jeez. Isaac Dotson in 2013 was at Washington State. He said, I was playing quarterback at the time. We had our first position meeting. 90% of the meeting had nothing to do with football. Maybe five plays into watching film, something happened that sparked a classic Mike Leach tangent. For at least an hour, he sat there rewinding and playing the same play over and over while he talked about everything from growing up in Wyoming to having a pet raccoon, getting paddled by the principal as junior high, the origins of football, and eventually just a full-blown Native American history lesson. The one-hour meeting lasted probably three hours, I remember looking at the veteran QBs in the room with a what is happening right now look on my face, but I could tell by their reactions that this was just a normal thing. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine just the same play over and over again? Just rewind, fast forward, rewind, fast forward. Oh, the uh, uh, Choctaw Indians were uh, a war-based tribe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
We'd be watching film and out of nowhere, just completely out of left field, Leach would use his laser point, and he'll point to two of our players, and he'll be like, all right, in a fight to the death here, who do you got? <laughs> I want to do that. I want him to do that in a press conference. I want to see who he's got. In the you media. against who? Well, I don't know. Pick one. Is there anyone that covers Mississippi State that in a fight to the death you would not take yourself? Joel Coleman. He works out a lot. Yeah, I got an addition to this guy. article, by the way. He's not, but he's 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 wiry. I got an addition to the story, by the way. That, that okay. this just happened at Mississippi State. Are you ready? Yes. So he he's he's talking to the recruiting staff here, right? They're telling him about Ben Key, who I mentioned earlier. And he's asking, you know, about him. He's like, where's he from? Well, he's from, he played at Los Angeles Community College. Uh, he's originally from Australia, but he's a native uh, Polynesian. And Leach just goes, well, is he from, and he lists off, like, this chain of islands or this chain of islands? And the recruiter's guy's like, um, I, I, I don't know. They said they spent the next 30 minutes talking about the differences between all of the tribes of Polynesia. <laughs> Never mentioned if he was going to call the kid or anything at that point. Just just got that info in. Gracious. He's the I can't best. wait for football season, man. This is one that comes uh. from his book that one of his players references as well. He says, I remember one story in particular. can't remember where he was, but a neighborhood dog kept going up to him and barking at him or something when he was a small kid. To get this dog to stop barking, he apparently went up to it and peed around it or on it or something so the dog wouldn't bother him anymore. Well, he'll fit it right was a camping out in his backyard story that um, started out with the dog going to the restroom on his sleeping bag. It's where the foreword for his book came. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's one of a kind. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. You can text the show on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. The world needs laughter. Thank you, Coach Leach. Okay, so, so let's let's stop right there, but then marry it with another text. Hey, Dad, the world needs laughter. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Coach Leach. Mm-hmm. Richard and Wiggins, man, that's going to burn him if he doesn't perform. Well, man, it's like we said earlier in the show. This is what he is. And the good news for Mike Leach and the reason he has been able to keep jobs is he can do stuff like this. He wins. He just wins wherever he goes. So... So, so it will be interesting to see what is a place with a little different expectations than Techers, Washington State. But I mean, not not that I guess this is really necessary, but public service announcement: you know what you are getting with Mike exactly. Leach. John Cohen. It's, 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 it would be like, knows what he hired. No university cell yeah. phone issues. Mark Keenum. It would be. Signed off on Mike Leach being the head coach. And 
everything that goes with it. It would be like going to McDonald's and being upset that they don't they don't have fried chicken. I mean, you knew what when you walked in the door, you knew what they offered. You should try the McChicken, man. It's not bad. That's not, I had that's cheese not fried chicken though. You I had, had cheese to the McChicken. You should add cheese to every sandwich you get. Sandwiches without cheese are, are not good. Po' boys don't have cheese. I get cheese on my po' boys. Do you really? If you ask them to add it, they do. Yeah. Yeah, I get cheese on my po' boy. What about a peanut butter and jelly? You All throw right, now, in some now you've got, parmesan going. on that? Maybe some, cr- maybe some cream cheese <laughs> on that. Ooh. Nutella and cream cheese is great. On a PB&J? I don't know. I've never. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying. You could add my favorite cream cheese to a PB&J. Is called the I was just trying to find a sandwich yeah. where there's no way hate add threw cheese on it. That, that's probably a good example. The, my favorite po' boy in New Orleans is called the Peacemaker. It's fried oysters and shrimp, bacon, and cheddar cheese. Ooh, delicious. Sounds good. That does sound good. It is good. Yeah. Sound, that's the one thing I didn't do in New Orleans that I should have done was had a po' boy. What do you figure Leach's favorite food is? Three hours I later? Would be no idea. Yeah. I imagine if he... <laughs> he lives yeah. in Key West. It's something fish. Probably. I imagine but if he drinks he's from, rum. He's from Wyoming. He's from Wyoming. It might be something like he might like a bloody rare steak, man. <laughs> <laughs> or rack of lamb. Yeah, some venison. Yeah, something, you know, some wild game. I like to sh- shoot my own buffalo. I was listening to an interview that he did with uh, Clay Travis a while back, which that is a, a fascinating interview. Have you listened to that, Hey Dad? I have not. I'll go check it out there. I think it's the Winners and Losers podcast or something like that, and it's it's two hours and 15 minutes. I didn't make it all the way through. Like, I laughed out loud a bunch, but there were some, there were some moments where I was like, okay, it's enough. But at one point he said, he's like, I mean, in Key West half the year, you can accidentally eat fish four times a day. So, maybe so. That's true. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um so the public service announcement piece of this is you know what you're getting. Yeah. Despite wins and losses, Mike Leach is going to meander his way through some of his press conferences. He's going to talk about pirates and Native American war strategies and Geronimo as the great warrior of the Native Americans. And he's he, he will take the bait and he will go off script. And if that's on the heels of a disappointing field goal loss in a game where you thought you were supposed to win, it's probably not going to hit you right. If it's on the heels of a great victory where you won by two touchdowns, oh, it's gonna be it's like a laugh track. But you know what you're getting, period. With Mike Leach. So it's almost like you could save yourself some angst if you were just kind of really... It's it's going to drive me crazy, but I'm not going to let it drive me crazy. Is that fair, Hayden? No, it's completely fair, yeah. Yeah. I, I would much rather know what I'm getting going into any kind of situation like that. And I think, I think there are going to be some MSU fans who... There, and I can tell you from reading message boards and stuff that 
There are some MSU fans, oh, well, you know, once he gets adjusted to the SEC, things are going to change. No, they're not. I am here to tell you today, as is my good friend Richard Cross, they are not going to change. This is Mike Leach. You're going to take it or leave it, and that's it. And, and here, here's the maybe, maybe here's the better litmus test. Never mind what he says in press conferences. There's going to be a game against an SEC team where you have a lead that you should not relinquish and conventional wisdom tells you you need to run the clock. You need to run the football, protect the lead, preserve the lead, and it's not going to work out. And you're going to be so frustrated when it's all said and done, you're going to go, why didn't he run the ball at the end? You had that game won. Like the game where that happened in Pullman this year against UCLA. It may not be as dramatic as giving up a five-touchdown lead in the final 24 minutes of the game, or whatever the exact numbers are, but there may be, there may be some, some frustration in that. But the flip side of that is, you're going to have a game against an SEC team where you hang 60 on somebody. And it's going to look like the greatest offensive showcase in the history of the world. That's kind of the two sides of Mike Leach that you get. And you know that going in. So maybe to your point a second ago, hey, Dad, at least you know what you're going to get, and you're not going to be surprised by it. Yeah. And if you are surprised by it, that's a you problem. Can Mike Leach lose seven Egg Bowls in a row and still have a job? People have been bringing this up about his record in the Apple Cup, and I, I hate—you know—I hate to take a shot at Ole Miss, Richard. I hate to do it, but when Ole Miss and Washington have comparable rosters, we'll, we'll worry about that. But right now, Washington's a lot more talented than Ole Miss year in and yeah, year. Yeah, but they weren't so, for the first three yeah. years of that stretch. Not for the first three years, and he got a win in there somewhere. But I would just say that. That would be the equivalent of, of him losing seven straight to LSU or to Auburn. You know, you can get past that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. You can continue to send your messages to the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, what do you guys make of this Dave Aranda to Baylor thing? I think he made Much a really good decision. LV. Yeah, made a really good decision turning that job down when he almost took it. Yeah, Baylor's a good job, and I think he'll do well. Why is Baylor such a good job? Eh, I mean, it's in the Big 12, so I mean... It's the fourth school in Texas, though, right? It is, but they have put a lot of money into into upping their, their game. They were winning before, you know, with Art Bryles, and, you know, obviously, you know, stuff off the field. And I hate to say stuff off the field. We all know what it is. I'm not trying to minimize it, but you know that it wasn't wins and losses that pushed Art Browse out the door. They they can be they've proven they can be not only a winning program but a program that wins a lot of games. They have a Heisman Trophy winner in the past decade. They they had you know 10, 11 win seasons. You have access to a lot of of you know great recruits right there at your doorstep. They want to win. They're passionate about it. So it's it's a good job. And like I said, look at this year. They were. You know, if they could have just beaten Oklahoma one time, not that Oklahoma's not great and it's difficult to do, but they would, they would have been in the playoff. So. Yeah. 
Um, did Justin Fuente make the right decision to stay put at Virginia Tech and not make the move to Baylor? Assuming that was an option for him, and it, it appeared as if that was the direction that it was headed. I was thinking about that. I'd say no. You're either fired or about to be fired. I'd probably get a restart while you can. It's a risk sticking around. Although they were a good bit better in the second half of the year than they were in the first half of the year. I just meant coaches in general always lie in between just hired or about to be fired. Yeah. Anytime you can go back to the beginning doesn't seem bad. Sports Talk Mississippi. Half an hour left with you on this Thursday afternoon. We'll take a quick timeout and be right back. Ceasefire text line, anything Leach says at a press conference is okay as long as it is not he has an upper body injury. <laughs> okay. Sounds like Richard I'll is jealous of State's hire of Mike Leach. Okay. Keith Invaden, Top Gun is too manly for Rippy. He's more of a Shrek or Lion King kind of guy. Two great movies. Kind of Come like on Bernie. Now. Well, I'm telling you, if you listen to that episode of the Rewatchables, you might be rethinking that statement. I mean, Shrek was an ogre. It's true. Did you see Bernie and Elizabeth Warren get into it last night? That was funny. And then the poor guy who tried to walk in and say something to him? <laughs> yeah, okay, good, okay. Uh, you guys are blowing all of this out of proportion. Leach won't go off subject and try to be funny after a loss. He may go on a rant at some idiot beat writer after a loss, though. Okay. Is that passive-aggressive at Haydad? <laughs> I don't write much. Um, there are a couple of others in there. Uh, who's in charge of the music? You rock. That's Borky. Borky gets credit for there. He's having a good day. Um, some guy didn't like me doing TV games also, I think. I think he was taking a shot at me, but in the uh, in passing mentioned Bart Gregory, who we should say congratulations to. Bart was named yeah. the Sports Broadcaster of the Year in the state of Mississippi by the National Sports Media Association. Uh, super deserving. Bart, just as good as they come. Uh, Rick Cleveland also got his 722nd Mississippi Sports Writer of the Year award. So congratulations. Rick's got to have a room, in, like a wing in his house, for all the Sports Writer of the Year trophies that he has received over the course of the last 75 years. Wish you would pull that. a Brooks Kepka flex. Did you guys see that? Awesome. Oh, yeah. Is that in, like, joking around, or are they actually not like each other? I couldn't decide. Well, Maybe remember, yes. But remember, Bryson yelled at Brooks's caddy. What was it at? Was it at the Open? This past season, Bryson DeChambeau yelled at Brooks's caddy, and then Brooks came onto the practice screen and squashed that quickly. Like, there is a history of bad blood between those two. Yeah, basically told his caddy, uh, oh, "Won't you, t- won't you this. tell your boss if he's got something to say to me to come say it to my face?" In which case, Brooks Kepka immediately walked over to Bryson DeChambeau and was like, "Is there a problem?" Brooks went, "Okay." So apparently, Bryson DeChambeau in the off season put on twenty five pounds of muscle, I guess, 
which is a pretty significant weight gain in a relatively short period of time. And uh, said, did you guys see the ESPN, the body issue? Brooks didn't even have a (laughs) six-pack. To to which Brooks Kepka responded with a picture from his house with his two PGA Championship trophies and his two U.S. Open Championships. He's like, you're right, I'm too short of a six-pack. It's pretty strong. Pretty strong reply. Almost as strong as the reply that a young Brian Scott Rippey had in a class review. I'm going to attempt to read this. Don't go to the whole thing. you got to keep the guy's name. It, it starts like this. Let me tell you a story. This is the, the online review that you turn in for a class. You want to you set this up, or should I just start reading? <laughs> Basically, you got to I, the I don't end. know how to do this justice, but we had a class when I was in college that really didn't learn anything. The guy was not to fit to be teaching the class. Like We didn't even have tests. It was completely disorganized. and got an exam thrown on us last minute, and the class basically rioted. It begins, let me tell you a story, a story about a guy who died roughly 10 years ago, but no one told him. (laughs) (laughs) This is is not necessary. A guy who rolls into class... (laughs) Okay, no, he's easy. ...unprepared twice a week and spews a collection of incoherent thoughts to a group of roughly 50 people for 75 minutes. No, I'm not referring to an overly ambitious senior citizen losing touch with reality at his local bingo game. I'm referring to one of your professors. For the better part of the last three months, I've walked my happy rear end into Holman Hall to sit through this class. And today, as I sit in a state of confusion and depression after taking what apparently was a final exam, I can legitimately tell you I did not learn a single thing in this class. Was it because I didn't attend class, you say? Nope. I missed class one time the entire semester. Was it because the material was difficult? I'm not in a position to answer that because no material was taught. I did not learn anything in this class because one of you decided that that it would be okay to let this guy kill people's brain cells twice a week with his analogies that make no sense, (laughs) his stories that carry no correlation to anything regarding the class or the subject matter in general, or for that matter, his patently stupid and absurd grading system that no one in the class knows how to decipher. I wanted to check my grade going into the final exam to see where I stood in the class. Seems reasonable, right? Well, I ran into a problem because he didn't post a single grade to Blackboard the entire semester. Instead, he emailed us a bunch of jumbled up letters and numbers in a spreadsheet over six weeks ago and told us we could find our grades there. Letters, you ask? Yes, because he doesn't use names. He uses class codes that, spoiler alert, I still don't know mine, and the class is over. We didn't have a single test. We had one quiz, and a take-home quiz that consisted of taking inventory of the brands and labels in our closet, as if knowing that my shirt was made in Thailand was going to help me earn a diploma. The week before our semester-long project was due, he still was reassigning groups because he couldn't keep up with anything while simultaneously complaining that most of us had not yet started our project. He put me in three different groups. Three. 
I felt like Bo Wallace trying to sign with an NFL team as much as I was moved around. (laughs) (laughs) If it could get any worse, every single email he sends consists of him typing down any thought that passes through his head and ends up leaving his students with a headache bigger than the ones his class causes. Don't believe me? Try reading one of his emails and tell me if you'll ever look at the English language the same again. (laughs) In our last class of the semester, while we argued slash worried slash pleaded with him about what would be on his, quote, final exam that he'd never given until this semester, in a span of five minutes, he talked about getting arrested, AT&T, and meatballs. True story. Some people would call this gibberish. He called it final exam review. Asking a question in class usually led to a completely unrelated story about him in his younger days that made you question why you chose this school as well as what it actually takes to become a teacher. One poor girl asked a question about a term on the final and got a story about meatballs. It was quite comforting. This class was single-handedly the biggest wasted chunk of my life, as well as the most ludicrous thing I have ever had to deal with at Ole Miss. As dumbfounded as I am that a bunch of you at one time sat in a room and deemed him fit to teach a class, I am now asking that you please remove him from teaching anything ever again. Please, uh, I'll skip that line. It is absolutely ridiculous that you allow him to teach a 400-level class to the people that will graduate within a year. I'm asking for the sake of any poor soul that might find themselves in this situation in the future. On top of this, I'd like to know what the name of the actual class means because none of us had the slightest clue. With absolutely no regards, Brian Scott Rippey. Should have signed that like Kevin Harlan. Without regard for human life. What, What was your final grade in the class? I don't remember. What do you mean? You can't write that and then not remember what you grade remember. you got. I really don't, because it was over three years ago now. Maybe four. But the least... Did you get an A? No, I can. I don't think so. Did you fail the class? I guess it would have been a B, because if I got a C, I would have uh, like, probably like done something about it, because it's disorganized as it was. So I'm going to bet it was a B. No, I didn't fail it. Was there an actual final? Yes. Or did he scrap the idea of the final? Yeah, there was a final. Why did you have to take inventory of the shirts in your closet? That's a great question. But that sick flannel I got, Thailand. Did you have that zipper shirt at the time? Yeah, I was going to say, where's that made? Mm, can't remember. That one's pretty old, so I'd say, yeah. Philippines? Wherever they make champions. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, Rippy. It really is a wonder that you got out of Ole Miss. Like, graduated? Yeah. I mean, I got two degrees. Two. Without cheating in Spanish. So Count them. Checkmate. Well, you didn't right. take Spanish, did you? I don't think I had You to. were in the business school. You didn't have to have a foreign language. Uh International business, man. Really? Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.